Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 340. This is an episode that I think we have waited for for a very, very, very long time. Well, not just an episode, but a whole event that we've been waiting for for a long time. And... It just happened to coincide with Multiverse of Madness release as well. So this past weekend was one of the best weekends of our lives. I mean, really, if we think about it, we have been eating, breathing, sleeping Marvel since like Wednesday evening with Moon Knight. Did Moon Knight. We did. Multiverse of Madness. Took a couple days off to try to reflect on that. And now... We have been on Cosmic Rewind. Ever since this attraction was announced, this is the one that I have circled, underlined, bolded. Like, this was the one for me. Like, I know other people are excited about Tron or maybe some of the stuff going on in the international parks, but it's always been Cosmic Rewind for me because it hits, it checks so many boxes for me. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy as a group, like, more than any other group in... (laughs) Marvel. I also love the genre of attraction of story coasters more than anything else now. I mean, we don't have many to play with, but... But the ones that we do have, we love. Correct. And putting it in Epcot, you know, might be some weird feelings from some people, but I thought it was something that this park sorely needed. So we're going to cover our whole experience today, our thoughts, opinions, Most importantly, at the beginning of this episode, we're going to cover everything that you need to know before you ride Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. There will be no spoilers at all until the very end of this episode, and we will make it very clear when we will be providing spoilers for those who don't care if it's spoiled before or you have been on it already. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the best way to go. We, or I guess I should say me personally, I'm not a big spoiler person, so I never want to be the one to spoil anything. Um, So we'll make sure you know well ahead of time. But so far, I mean, this has just been a long time coming, it feels like. It seems like hopefully this is the first of kind of this I don't know, this period of construction that we've seen at Disney World for a while. Hopefully Tron and the train come back soon. But like we've been seeing this big blue building looming over Epcot for a very long time. I mean, how long has has the blue building been there? I don't remember when construction started. But it's exciting. Three or four years. It's exciting to see it finally come to fruition. Yeah, and I think it gives us a glimpse maybe into what the future of Epcot can be as well. They just provided the new renderings on what the new, uh, what are they calling it, like the Grand Hall area is going to look like. It looks like we're getting some more trees and foliage in that center area as well. 
Eventually, we'll get the play pavilion coming in. But this is hopefully just the first of many new amazing things that are coming to this park. So we've tried to break this down to make this as easily digestible as we can because we know some of you are going to come to this attraction from the standpoint of that you are an ultra Marvel fan like us. You might be someone who is somewhat familiar with Marvel and the Guardians of the Galaxy. And some of you may have no experience at all, but I think that's already something that this attraction has going for it is that you can be in any of those levels and this can still be fun for you. So we're going to try to share like the very bare minimum that you should know, but also if you want to go that deep dive route like we do, then we will share that along the way. So first we have is what you I'm going to say should watch before. You don't need to watch anything at all before. Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, the good thing about this ride, and it's something that we've talked about in previous storytelling episodes, is when you are riding this attraction, you do not have to like transport yourself anywhere. Like it even shows you in the promo, like the commercial that they've put out for this attraction, like they're in Epcot. You're just supposed to be in Epcot. So if all you did that morning is show up at Epcot, you're fine to ride the ride. Yeah, sometimes we've referred to that as what is the ask of this ride? Are they asking you to assume anything? Like, for example, a simple one is in Toy Story Land, they are asking you to believe that you are the size of a toy. This one, show up as is, (laughs) no transformation necessary, Novacore is taking it all, they've got it set up for you. Correct. And ready to go. Now, what you should watch before, I think, is Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's going to do a couple things for you. It's going to get you really familiar with these characters, which they are individually funny, but they're even funnier as a group. If you're not familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy, like humor is their thing. They that between that and like Thor Ragnarok, those are the funniest two Marvel movies to exist. Yeah, and I think their personality plays so well with attractions. We've talked about it when we looked at the... Um, Mission Breakout. That Yeah, I don't know why I almost called it Mission Space. Mission Breakout. I know. <laughs> Mission Breakout. They really showcase their personality. And to get that same experience here where they are obviously interacting with each other and they're sharing that dialogue, to pick up on those little pieces of humor... It's always a good idea just to see the movie and be familiar with how they interact with each other. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, here are the characters. You know, if you're not going to watch it, you need to know (laughs) Peter Quill, known as Star-Lord, played by Chris Pratt. Gamora is is played by Zoe Saldana. Um, Rocket is the little raccoon. Now, in the movie, he is voiced by Bradley Cooper. There is some uh, debate debate maybe on if the rocket in the ride is Bradley Cooper, but you can decide for yourself. It's not too far off. And yeah, I don't think it's like a make or break for the ride itself. Like, is it him? Is it not him? I don't care personally, but I don't know. Maybe someone will. Groot, and it is, uh, well, it's not a spoiler because I've already shared this before in the promo. Groot is adult Groot. In this version, 
voiced by Vin Diesel in the movies. I don't know if they actually got Vin Diesel <laughs> to do the lines for this. And then Drax is played by Dave Bautista. So those are the Guardians of the Galaxy. The other characters that you need to know going into this, and but they will hold your hand in uh, the queue, but also in some of the pre-show stuff as well, is Glenn Close, Disney legend, the original live-action Cruella DeVille, is Nova Prime, and Isan, the searcher. So Isan is a very, very minor character in the movies. Isan shows up in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, and they actually don't even say his name in it. But we have the clip from where you can see him on the screen. Uh, just to set the stage for this clip, this is the Collector speaking to the Guardians of the Galaxy where they have taken the orb to him so that he can explain to them what it is. So we'll play that clip and then we'll explain more after. Oh, my new friends. Before creation itself, there were six singularities. Then the universe exploded into existence and the remnants of these systems were forged into concentrated ingots. Infinity Stone. These stones, it seems, can only be brandished by beings of extraordinary strength. Observe. These carriers can use the stone to mow down entire civilizations like wheat in a field. There's a little pea coming out of me right now. So when you hear the collector in that clip talk about these beings of extraordinary power, on the screen of what you would see in the movie is Isan, the searcher. Isan is considered a celestial. You don't really need to know that term in order to enjoy this ride, but for the purpose of this, we're going to talk about it a little bit. So the celestials have popped up a couple of different times in the MCU. The main times would be Isan here in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Then in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, we really jump into what Celestials are at that point because we learn, this is, I guess, a spoiler if you've not seen Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume 2, is that Peter's dad, Star-Lord's dad, Ego, is actually a Celestial. So he's the same type of being as Isan who is going to be our villain in this attraction. Um, now, Ego takes the shape of a planet. That also makes Peter a hybrid celestial, half human, half celestial. But Isan is what a celestial typically looks like. And you'll see him in the attraction, so I don't have to explain it on what he looks like. Did I miss anything so far? I don't think so. Just that these are, you know, I don't know, cosmic beings with a lot of power um not necessarily like thanos i don't really know what else you would call these these are like ancient beings because we see this again in the eternals and i know you have other things so i don't want to jump too far ahead but they have been mentioned a few different times yeah well let's go ahead and play that so we pulled a clip from the eternals which is probably like the most in-depth explanation of that we've ever got for Celestials. We got it some in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but it was um, skewed. It, Ego didn't it, really tell the full story. 
Yes, he was uh, definitely picking and choosing what he wanted to share with Peter, obviously because he was trying to make himself look better. So we chose this clip over that one. So this clip is from Eternals, and this will not spoil the movie if you've not seen it. But this is Arashim, who is the celestial that we know the best from the MCU. And he is speaking on to how the celestials were created and what their role in the universe has been. Our universe is a constant exchange of energy. An infinite cycle of creation and destruction. Celestials use energy gathered from host planets to create suns, generating gravity, heat, and light for new galaxies to form. Without us, our universe will fall into darkness. All life will die. Kind of uh, somber. A little bit, but I also think it's one of those where even as he's explaining it to the Eternals or I don't know. Who's yeah, he he's explaining, explaining it? it to the Eternals at that point. So, I mean, it's again, it's kind of like this heightened, like, look how important we are. You need us kind of thing. So even in that situation, it starts to beg the question, do we, who are you? Where'd you come from? What are your powers? Because obviously these celestials have quite the power. If, you know, we heard about them with infinity stones, obviously that was a big deal. And now we're talking about making suns and planets and without us, everything dies. Um, so, I mean, they're really hyping themselves up, it seems like. I was going to say, uh, it seems like all the Celestials that we have met so far in the MCU, at least, they think very, very highly of themselves. They do. And it'll be Well, inter- one was named Ego, yeah. for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah, that, that tells you a lot. So, I feel like it's interesting that they keep coming up. And again, not that this ride is necessarily connected to like what we see happening in the MCU, but it is nice to know that this is not just like a made up being or character, whatever you want to call these celestials. They didn't just pull them out of thin air. Like they have been referenced before. Yeah. So we've talked kind of now in depth on the guardians of the galaxy. You need to know beforehand. Isan, the searcher is the celestial and the villain of this attraction that you would need to know beforehand. And then lastly would be the uh, kind of, who Novacor is and what Xandar is. So Xandar is a planet and they, the guardians of the galaxy visit Xandar multiple times in volume one. And I think they go back in volume two as well. But um, the kind of the whole premise behind this is that Xandar and earth Novacor has discovered that they were both created around the same time. So they refer to this as time zero. We refer to this as the Big Bang, as kind of the start of our universe. And they have been monitoring us over time. And now they have uh, set up this access point in Epcot because they find it so interesting and they want to learn more about us on Terra, which is what they call Earth, and we are Terrans. So you will hear that terminology a lot, but that's, they just mean 
Terrans are the people of Earth. So again, that's kind of what you start to see in the promo video too. You know, obviously they're in like a laboratory setting and you can see where they've set up and it even tells, you know, oh, we have to go to Epcot to help these people, the Xandarians, I guess you would call them, um, when obviously something goes wrong. And, but that's essentially why they're here. So again, they came to us. We are not being asked to go to them. Yep. Um, and so how Xandar and Novacor work together, Novacor is like the governing body of Xandar and the Xandarians, the people of it. Um, just a little bit of background on Xandar. This is where the Guardians were put into jail in the first movie that they were in. They're, they're caught there while they're trying to sell the orb, yada, yada. This is more information than you really need to know. But... <laughs> It turns out at the end of the movie, again, spoiler if you haven't seen Guardians, Ronan, who is the main villain in Guardians of the Galaxy, is trying to destroy Xandar. And the Guardians help to protect Xandar with the help of Novacor. So they've already partnered up together, which is why when things start to go wrong at Novacor, their first instinct was, oh, well, we have to call the Guardians because they'll help us out again. So they already have like a working relationship together, which is why everything is connected. Yeah. So just to uh, kind of hit this point home, they do an excellent job in the queue of explaining a lot of why Z- uh, the Xandarians and Novacor are interested in Terra and in Earth. And even Epcot. And, and even specifically why in Epcot. Little hot tip, look for some Walt references in there as well. Or just other Disney references. They did a good job of, you know, putting in little Easter eggs or little funny things that if you love the parks uh, in any capacity, you will pick up on it. And it is, it's cute. It's a nice touch. Yep. So one thing Catherine just mentioned, but I just want to circle back to, it's important to note, because if you're a Walt Disney World person and, let's see, your your most experience is in somewhere like Galaxy's Edge, this is a different approach to specific timelines. And this is the same approach that they have taken in Avengers Campus out in Disneyland. So every Marvel attraction for Disney, both in Disneyland and now the one in Disney World, they are influenced by the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but they are not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's a little bit different than how Galaxy's Edge was originally done. Jury's still out on if they're keeping that or not, but for example, in uh, Galaxy's Edge, they were trapped. What Trapped is not <laughs> the right word. A little dramatic there. Uh, the land is set in between episode seven and eight, right? No, six and seven. It's after The Force Awakens and before The Last Jedi. Okay. Is when it was originally set. Now, you're seeing them bend that a little bit now with the introduction of Grogu, like in some magic shots, because obviously that takes place outside of this timeline that they've constructed for Galaxy's Edge. Avengers Campus, some of you may have noticed if you look online, you will see Avengers walking around who are no no longer living in the MCU. <laughs> and 
that is by design. They did not want to be held uh, accountable for what happens in the movies. And so this attraction, just this singular attraction, obviously it's not as grand as an entire land like Avengers Campus, but it's the same way. This is, they're the same characters, but they're not, you're not going to see this updated with the movies as like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out. Correct. But I do think, like you pointed out earlier, Brendan, there is just like a very small tie to Guardians of the Galaxy, like the first one, just because we already see that working relationship between the Guardians and Xandar. So it's not completely out of left field, but no, it's not like current with everything that happened after Thanos. Correct. So last thing I have as it pertains to story and uh, everything that goes along with that. So there are six different songs that you can get on this attraction. Uh, Hopefully you don't think this is a spoiler. But if you do, maybe skip ahead a few seconds. Yep. So I'm going to tell you what those are right now. And we can tell you uh, in our spoiler part, we'll tell you which songs we got. Well, I guess we can say that now. Uh, No, not. Well, I don't know. Okay. So, six songs uh, are September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, Disco Inferno by The Tramps, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears, One Way or Another by Blondie, I Ran, in parentheses, So Far Away, by A Flock of Seagulls, and Conga by Gloria Estefan. R.I.P. Bongos in Disney Springs. Oh my gosh, I know. That was a good one. That was when we went there all the time. They had solid food, very good service, and great drinks. We miss it. Some of you are going to message us and say that they have an Estefan kitchen at Margaritaville Resort in Orlando, and my response will be, you are correct. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, the next sentence I will say is, it is not the same as Bongo's. Yeah. We've tried. We tried. Not great. Maybe we had a one-off, but... But it's also not worth going back. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the other thing that I want to mention with this is the rewritability is probably, if we were still longtime listeners, when I back in storytelling, we used to do a rubric for all these attractions that we do. And rewritability was on that list. This gets a 12 out of 10 for rewritability because of the different songs. But one thing we did not know beforehand, and I really don't think this is a spoiler. I really don't think it is. But just listen to the dialogue as you're going through attraction, through the attraction. And a little birdie told me that the dialogue that you hear throughout the attraction may change as well. Which is really cool because it gives you just multiple opportunities to, I don't know, experience what it would be like to be on a mission with the Guardians. Yeah. So I think um, that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover in terms of what you need to know for the story. Would you agree? Did we miss anything that would be useful to know beforehand? No, I think that's solid because I'm very hesitant to go into too much detail but again, I do think if anything else fails, you know, just know there's going to be good music 
And they are going to like hold your hand through the entire thing to the point where you can understand the story without being like Guardians of the Galaxy number one fan. Well, yeah, because that position is held by me. Exactly. So you don't have to be that person to enjoy and understand this ride because Disney does a great job. So next thing we want to cover before we get into the spoiler stuff at the end of the episode and like our ranking and all that kind of stuff, that fun stuff, is just some of the logistical questions that we have been asked, uh, as well as just some of the frequently asked questions that we've heard so far. And again, these will not contain spoilers. If there's any frequently asked questions that do contain spoilers, we'll do those at the end. But the biggest thing for me that has come up, it seems like, is motion sickness slash dizziness slash nausea. Well, because when Disney released that these cars, these ride vehicles were going to rotate and spin, that's probably like the number one thing that anyone thought of is like, oh my gosh, not only is this going to be more of a thrill ride, but now you're going to start spinning me? Like that's a little intense or it sounds a little overwhelming. And I would say the spinning is not like a teacup spin. It is not a free spin. It is more just they point you in the direction that you need to be. Which is pretty typical for Disney rides. If you think about Spaceship Earth, right right across the way, they do that too throughout the ride where they will maneuver you or point you to where they want you to look. So same kind of thing here. But it does amp up the thrill factor, I think, for sure. Oh, 100%. So if you are prone to motion sickness or dizziness, obviously I would recommend taking every precaution that you need to because I think we've all been on rides before where it just takes you by surprise and then you're done for the day. And that's obviously the last thing that you want to happen when you're on vacation and re- or when you're just trying to enjoy a new ride. So if you typically have to take like Dramamine or something like that, or I don't know, because that doesn't really happen with us. But based off of things that we've heard from other people, it's been needed. Almost everything we are fine with, like we're fine with dropping, we're fine with spinning. The only thing that we are typically not fine with is like being jerked around or being really rough like the hulk at islands of adventure kicks our booty every time yes this is so smooth that you will not have any of those problems of like neck issues or anything i i don't think it would be a big problem yeah it's the same thing that we said when we rode velocicoaster is you can tell it's a brand new ride which is so so great because you're not being yanked around it's not like space mountain i know a lot of people can't ride space mountain either because it just throws you around it is very smooth i would say if you can ride space mountain and everest then you are good on this Mm -hmm. and those are probably both overkill everest for sure i think i mean those are intense rides for sure and everest is pretty rough too the last few, ooh, especially like when it breaks at the end, when it has to bring you up to the gate and you get a little bit of whiplash there. Yeah, it's nothing like that because it is brand new. So that's great. Uh, next question that we have seen a lot 
is is this all body shape and size friendly and i would just like to give a round of applause for disney for listening to feedback because i honestly think the flight of passage ride vehicle might be one of the dumbest things that they have ever done it's a huge i just they just like weren't thinking it's an oversight it is and it shouldn't be so this one very roomy lots of space lots of like wiggle room all around it just seemed great lots of leg space i mean we just you think about something like seven dwarves mine train i would dare say that you have double or even more space than on seven dwarves um, well, on Seven Dwarves Mind Train, Brendan, I think my knees, I would be shocked if our knees like didn't touch. And you're 5'7". So. Exactly. So this one, so much room. Like you said, good job, Disney. There's room in all direction, which I think is, yes. so I think it can accommodate all bodies. Yes. Which, again, good job. yes, that's just, that should be a requirement for everything going forward. Um, other questions are just how thrilling, and we kind of touched on this before we, I don't know if we ever talked about it on the podcast, but an internal conversation that we've had is Disney kept using the term family coaster for this. We kind of think that's not entirely accurate. No, honestly, if you say family coaster, I think of something like slinky dog or uh, seven dwarves mind train. This is leaps and bounds bigger than that. Obviously, it's not a Velocicoaster. It does not go upside down. Again, that should not be a spoiler because there's no overhead. Restraints. Yeah, that's it. But neither is a Velocicoaster for what it's worth. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. But I would not put that into the same category. So if you have little ones that... Like they get freaked out on Slinky or Seven Dwarves. You might just really like maybe send one parent in (laughs) as like the sacrifice beforehand before you put your child on this ride because it truly is a thrill. Now, I will say we did ride with our friends from Addicted to the Mouse. So Dan and Leslie and their two sons and um, Aiden is in high school. So obviously he was good. And then Jennings is in fifth grade and he wrote it twice. And he liked it. So it might just be a case-by-case basis, but um, I think Dan and Leslie will probably put out an episode as well, and they can probably speak. Yeah, I'm sure they can go into way more depth as if you are, you know, writing this with children or advice if you have kids or, you know, I don't know what else to say about it. And it was funny. They were actually recording their podcast Live, live, like yeah. There, so like you're initial their, reactions, their raw reactions. So definitely go check that out. Uh, Addicted to the mouse, if you missed it before. Um, any other frequently asked questions that are non-spoiler that you can think of? No, I mean, I guess if we just want to kind of wrap up our non-spoiler section with thoughts, initial reactions. I mean, I don't think I have anything bad to say about this ride. I'm really impressed with what Disney was able to pull off. I think the hype for it is totally worth it. I think I think it's what Walt Disney World needed, but I also think it's what Epcot needed as, you know, Epcot is trying to go into this next phase, almost like what we saw with Hollywood Studios. 
it got like this revamp essentially. And I mean, it's just very exciting. It's exciting to be a part of it and to know that this is what Disney is capable of moving forward. I mean, we saw that with rise they're capable of a lot, but it's exciting to see it continue. Yeah. So a conversation that we had, and I think it kind of encapsulates kind of how I feel about this and the category that I would put it into is like right now, if your average um, theme park lover comes to Orlando and they, you know, they're asking you, what do I have to do before I leave Orlando? Well, I mean, right now we would say you have to go to Islands of Adventure and you have to ride Hagrid's and Velocicoaster. So they have two there. And you might even put Spider-Man into that category just for like its historical relevance. But Well, if, if we're thinking about like our friends coming down from Tennessee, I agree. Hagrid's and Velocicoaster. Two. Correct. When you could look at the Disney side, you would say you have to go to Animal Kingdom and ride Everest and Flight of Passage. You would say you have to go to Hollywood Studios and ride Rise of the Resistance, maybe Tower of Terror. But it's, if it's not a thrill the, seeker, maybe, yeah. But it's definitely Rise. Mm-hmm. Before, I don't think I would say something for Epcot. And I probably, if it's not someone who... <laughs> How many bubbles did I put in? That was a good, that was like a buble commercial or something. Normally, I would edit those out, but I'm gonna leave it. It was worth it. Um, in Magic Kingdom, I I at this point in time, unless it's someone who really understands the historical aspect of it, or if they have kids, then I don't know if Magic Kingdom has one of those right now. Tron could be that, mm-hmm. but I don't think Epcot had one beforehand. You know, I don't think Soren is that level. I don't think Test Track is that level. I don't think Frozen is that level. And I don't think Remy is that level. Cosmic Rewind is that level. Especially if they enjoy Marvel in any capacity, which I think is probably the most exciting thing about this ride is that we finally have Marvel on the East Coast. That to me is a huge win. It is. I mean, it just, it opens the door for, you know, hopefully more things to come as the Marvel, as the movies get further and further away from the Avengers, maybe we get some more characters that Universal does not have control over that they could do. I, you know, secretly, that's why I wanted Eternals to be like a massive, massive success because they could do whatever they want with the Eternals. And, you know. <laughs> it was okay. We're fine. They're thriving. But would you agree with that assessment that this now enters that category of, if you are fanatic, like if, if you, that you will be, you will have regret if you do not go on this ride, if you're a theme park and attraction lover. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I would absolutely put it in the contenders with all of those like must-do rides. Okay. So I guess that wraps it up for the no-spoiler section. What do you think? Let's pause here and use this space as like an in-between. So if uh, I think next thing we're going to do is we're just going to give our knee-jerk gut reaction 
to where this ranks in our favorite attractions. I know some of you will not want to hear that. So this is your bus stop if that's the case. <laughs> this is your uh, out. Yeah, so three, two, one. Just to make it clear, now we are going to just share. This is just like, and this snap of time on May 8th, 2022, this is our gut reaction after riding this ride twice as to where it ranks into our favorite attractions. And when we say favorite attractions, we are talking Orlando-based attractions, correct? You're not bringing in like Disneyland. No, I think we'll just do Orlando for right now. I don't know if I can possibly try to bring in Disneyland to DCA. Okay, I think that's safe. So... My top, I did make my top five before this. My top five coming into this attraction were number five, Mako from SeaWorld. Number four was Tower of Terror in Hollywood Studios. Number three was Velocicoaster. Number two was Rise of the Resistance. And number one was Hagrid's Magical Motorbike Adventure. Did you have a top five before this? Oh man, I I didn't, but I would imagine mine would be pretty close to yours. I would have probably left off Mako just because that one doesn't stand out to me. It is a great coaster, but I probably would have added in Everest. So maybe I would have done like Tower of Terror, then Everest, then Velocicoaster. Ooh, and that one gets me. That one is... You're like a love-hate relationship with Velocicoaster. I do. I get very nervous before I get on that one because talk about a crazy ride. Um, then I would also agree I might do Rise of the Resistance and then Hagrid's. Again, just because we really enjoy the story coaster element of that particular ride, I don't think it's as wowy as Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> Is that a category? For sure, the wow factor. I don't think it has the same wow factor that Rise of the Resistance does, but I just enjoy the roller coaster. And I think that's part of it. The, there are no right or wrong answers. This is a very subjective list. It's the most suggestive, sub, sub, whatever. <laughs> it, right. It's our personal opinion. Correct. So my knee-jerk reaction is... That this goes into slot number three. This now it goes Tower of Terror, Velocicoaster, Cosmic Rewind, Rise of the Resistance, Hagrid's Magical Motorbike Adventure. I think I would also put this at number three just because I am going to be much more like easily persuaded to ride this one versus a Velocicoaster. Like if, if you're going to get me on Velocicoaster, I need a few days of preparation to get my mind right. This one, I don't need that, but it's still the same level of fun yeah. for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. So this is maybe another stopping point where we're going to maybe further explain this. Well, I think, yeah, I think the next step is we're going to talk about the story. Just everything that we experienced, kind of our 
initial more detailed reactions maybe i was going to say this is i was going to explain why it's not number two or number one. Oh, okay you could do that too do you think that's like another that pushes it a little bit further but it's still not full full spoilers uh i mean at this point i think anything is spoiler game okay so if you're, I would err on the side of caution because I really do think this is something that you will not regret it if you don't watch any ride-throughs before and you don't know what's going to happen. It is worth the payoff in the end. If you've been on Rise of the Resistance, like this, it's the same principles in place is that going in fresh is absolutely the best way to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're leaving us at this point, thank you for listening up to this point. Uh, Multiverse of Madness full review will come out later this week. Okay, now just brief explanation, then we'll talk about the story. I think what, in my mind, where you can't even use the term it falls short, because it doesn't fall short. To me, it's when you look at the different categories of what I value in a ride. So, story, immersion, thrill factor, Amazing technology. Rewritability. Rewritability. It just, it comes in like second or third in each of those categories. Meaning that in, for example, immersion, Rise of the Resistance is way more immersive than Cosmic Rewind. Or it ranks higher in it. And technological, like, advancement i don't know how cool the technology is i think rise wins in that category again and then if you also add in the animatronics of hagrid's that pushes it over the edge i think the ones that cosmic rewind has a real fighting chance in for the categories are just like an overall fun factor i still think hagrid's is maybe a little more fun I could listen, like, that's one of those I might flip. Yeah, that's an that's an easily... As we hear more songs, we might flip on that one. Yeah. Um, and then rewritability, though, I think Cosmic Rewind, I think they it might be the clear winner in this category. I mean, and I might even be tempted to say that in the thrill category, this one might outwin the other two. Again, it's completely biased, and... We've only been on this twice versus Hagrid's, which we have been on several times. Maybe it's because I'm more familiar with Hagrid's. Maybe it's just the newness or the excitement of this one. Again, it's just on May 8th, this is the diagnosis that I'm giving. It is thrilling. I think, I personally think Hagrid's is more thrilling. Okay. That, That speed is not to be messed around with. Any other thoughts on these rankings? Any other explanation that you'd like to give? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. Everyone has to make their own decision, but I do think it's worth the excitement. And I think it's worth having like a real conversation or a real debate once more people have gotten to write it because I'm interested to see what everyone else thinks. So I have heard the term or the label put on it as best coaster at Disney. Our rankings would maybe suggest that that is... The truth. Yes. I mean, obviously, Slinky Dog is not the best coaster 
But it is one that I always enjoy. I mean, realistically, this probably is the best coaster at Disney. Well, you mentioned Slinky Dog, but not Everest. Oh. I would think Everest would be the only one that could compete with it. Uh, yeah. I mean, Rock and Roll is a thrilling one. Too short. It is short, but it, it I mean, that's one that it's another, it's kind of like Velocicoaster. I've got to pump myself up to ride that one because of the launch. I hate the launch. Yeah. All right. Last stop. This is your last call. After this, there is no turning back now in terms of spoilers. If you are yeah, at there's this no point, windows and no doors here, so yeah. good luck. If you're at this point, we assume that you've either been on it or you do not care to have anything spoiled. So, so here we go. I mean, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I wish you could all see Brendan's face right now saying that. He, I mean, we woke up to ride this ride and he was literally waking me up singing Cosmic Rewind to the tune of WandaVision. It just works for everything. If everybody could try that, just like you can sing it to your pets or if you have kids. <laughs> Sing their name to the tune of WandaVision. It just works for everything. It is fitting. I completely agree. I just think it's funny. Like, we really were excited for this ride. You know, this is not, it doesn't win the title of first preview. Velocicoaster got that. And then we had Remy. So it was, it was just the culmination of we finally have, oh my God, we finally have Marvel here. And, I don't know. We we heard a lot of great things. So we were excited for it, which also means sometimes you can be so excited for something that you can be let down. And I don't think that was the case. No, I don't think so. Because I do think, you know, and it's just, I'm not pointing fingers. It's just the group who got to break the news first was the cast members. I think some people will read into what the cast member said and say that they overhyped it a bit. And I would agree with that to a certain extent but it is you know cast members are the most brainwashed of us all well yeah and they're probably look and and i think you have to also understand who is putting this information out a large portion large portion of them are probably dcps so this is like they are enjoying this moment deservedly so Mm -hmm. is that they're saying like i get they will tell their kids one day i was there when Cosmic Rewind opened. Which is cool. Yeah. We haven't even said any spoilers yet. We haven't. So let's talk about the actual queue and kind of the setup for everything. Because we mentioned earlier that the queue really does a great job, you know, of setting the scene or telling the story. And it is, or it was at least with the previews, kind of easy to miss. Because I will say another big round of applause for Disney on this one the line moved like we did not just stand in any one place for long periods of time. It seemed like the loading was really well thought out. Um, they can, you know, they can just put a lot of people through at one time. So good job for not making us stand stagnant for a very long time. Um, but with that being said, when you first get into the Novacore building there is this like computer program. Yeah, I can't remember what the, exactly they call it, but they, it's like the eye to the universe, like 
type deal. And she's kind of walking you through a lot of the things that we mentioned with the Celestials of like, why are Terrans and uh, Xandarians, why are we connected? Why are they interested in us? You know, why do they care, basically? Why did they show up at Epcot? And they're just pointing out all the different similarities in our histories, which is really cool. It's To a certain extent, uh, it could even be like a science lesson. That might be a bit of a stretch. But they talk about how stars are made and, you know, things about Earth versus things about Xandar. And they're just kind of walking you through that part of it. And I think this is also the point where this loop, well, I mean, we assume it's a loop. It's a loop that it's on. Everything's on a loop, yeah. But it is so long that we were in this room twice and did not hear anything repeated. Like one time they were saying like, we know of this phenomenon with you Terrans that you like to eat turkey legs. Why do you only like to eat the leg and not other portions of the turkey? Which, I mean, hysterical. Thank you, Disney. We too would like to know why people eat turkey legs in the hottest place on the planet. We don't know. Um, but just little things like that. So they're mixing again, humor with factual things. And again, it's kind of setting up why is Nova Corps there? Well, it's so that they can learn from us and we can learn from them. Yeah. So, it's like in, in, uh, return for letting them learn about us through the lens of Epcot is they are going to do this demonstration of the cosmic generator. Yeah, I was going to say orb. But <laughs> it is an generator. orb, I guess. Yeah, um, Yeah. so they're going to give us this presentation. Um, so kind of the first part of what you're walking through, it's almost like a museum, which is funny because now that I'm saying it's almost like a museum, it makes me think of dinosaur, how you kind of have to walk through that museum. Obviously, this is on steroids compared to that. Um, but then, you know, you walk through the queue, you get away from the computer, speaker, whatever you want to call that lady. And you start to get to different uh, like displays almost. So they give you different displays of what Xandar looks like, their population, their technology, their ships, their uniforms. Their resources. Their resources. And again, they're just trying to teach you everything that you'd need to know about this planet. So even if you weren't familiar with Xandar from guardians of the galaxy they are trying to lay out this plethora of information and again there is so much information in this portion of the ride that we couldn't even experience at all because at that point we were just hustling we were just moving right along and you could probably stand there i don't know 30 minutes 20 i don't know how long that loop is per se um, but there's a lot of information there, which is cool. Yeah. So kind of three little displays or things that I want to talk about. And I think you can kind of uh, cut the queue into three parts. So you have the first part that we talked about with the all-seeing eye lady. <laughs> the second part is they're teaching you about Xandar. And then the third part, they're taking, teaching you about Nova Corps. Mm-hmm. So that's where you learn about their different uniforms and the ranks in Nova Corps and like how you get up to be Nova Prime, who you will meet in just a second. Um, so I think it's really cool, but I think to me the Xandar part is the coolest. And this was like my emotion during all this was just like giddy. 
Like, oh, I, absolutely. I was just like over the moon. But they are, and it's it is a little hard to hear the audio. But when you're reading along, you can catch on to some of this. But they do have a portion, and you might have to wait there for a while to happen because we Walk only saw it slow. once. But it's right when you make it up the final uh, kind of climb into the exhibit area, the first big horizontal screen, there is a part in there where they talk about why Epcot was so interesting to them and the vision that Walt Disney had for the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. And because that's how they view Xandar, is that they are this technology-filled haven you know with 200 billion people or whatever that you know they're looking into new things so they connected with walt's vision and that's why they wanted to be in epcot and if that doesn't make you tear up a little i don't know what will and walt is on the screen it's a clip from the epcot presentation that he did and just knowing that that's like briefly like that's right before he passed it's the Imagineers absolutely understood the assignment. They did. The link between Xandar and Epcot makes so much sense after you go through this. I thought it'd be a stretch at first, but it absolutely makes sense. They did. They tie it all together. And for the hardcore Disney fans, it totally, you're like, ugh, thank you. Just honestly, thank you. Thank you for that. Um the last part that I will say was also pretty cool. And again, we just saw very small snippets of this, but towards the end, they are again trying to explain why the Guardians are associated with NovaCore and how they work together in the past. So it's like a news anchor who is interviewing different members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And at one point, it's Groot and Rocket. And of course, Rocket is saying, like, I'm the boss. I made the plan. Um, and then at another point, they're interviewing Gamora. And then Star-Lord comes in. And it's essentially the same thing. He's bragging about how he was the boss. But then we caught the very, very end of what he was saying one time. And he's talking about his experience at Epcot as a kid in, what would that have been, the 80s? He was born in 88, so... 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And again... I think he was born in 88. I don't know. Pretty sure. And again, you just want to say thank you, Imagineers, because... Well, it's funny because he says, like, I can't wait to go on Horizons and the Ellen ride and the wonders of life and, like... And he's seeing the veggie, veggie... Oh, yeah, veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. <laughs> so... I mean, it's just, it's amusing. And again, we didn't even get to see the whole interview. There could be other little snippets or other little things. So again, I'm interested. This is where rewritability comes in because at this point, I mean, we really were just like walking, walking, walking. Um, that if you weren't really trying to pay attention, totally would have missed it. Just trying to get on the ride. Um, but I, the queue overall, it was great. And it sets up the story perfectly. So you do have to, here's my question. And I like, it's just a natural thing to do. Is it, if you compare it to Mission Breakout and Web Slingers, you know, if you're just looking at Marvel cues, I think it does come in third, unfortunately. 
well, I will say when it comes to like the Spider-Man queue, I don't know if the queue is the great part there. I think it's the pre-show with Peter Parker. Now, I do think there's little Easter eggs in the Spider-Man queue. For the Walt aspect of this, just for the brief second that we got to see Walt Disney and the connection to Epcot, I might rank this one second. But obviously, you are lying to yourself if you don't put the collector at number (laughs) number first, number one, (laughs) because that is the coolest queue ever. Well, it's got Cosmo the Space Dog. And Figment. And Figment. And then as you're getting on the ride, it's got Harold. Harold? We always forget what his name is. We do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's legit. It's so cool. So it's not taking anything away from this one. Absolutely not. No. It's just saying they did. Joe Rody didn't just because Mission Breakout has Joe Rody all over it, and it shows. But this this one is perfectly nostalgic. Yeah. Which is what we all hoped for. And just in Epcot in general. I think right now a lot of people are looking for that nostalgia. All right. So let's talk about the pre-shows. Pre-show number one is Glenn Close as Nova Prime first. Uh, She's just kind of what we've already talked about. Setting the stage. She's explaining about how, you know, Xandar and Tara are so connected and we can learn so much from each other. And she poses that same thing of, you know, if you allow us to learn from you, we will give you this presentation on the cosmic generator and how this allows us to jump between space and time, you know, and otherwise we would never be able to reach each other. And so it, it really sets the story up pretty nicely. So after Nova prime gets off, we do get Terry Cruz who I Mal Tarek, something like that is his name. I don't know. I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird name. But Terry Crews, not from the movies, obviously, just in He's it just for there. this role. Yeah, and it's it's fun. I think it adds that little bit of humor that you're looking for when it comes to Guardians of the Galaxy, and then you get into the second pre-show. Now, I refuse to spoil this one. I don't think we can. I don't think we should. The only thing I would say is if you've not been on it yet, and we probably should have said this before everybody left. Now it's just probably like three or four people <laughs> listening. But um, if flashing lights bother you, you should not see the second pre-show, unfortunately. Yeah, honestly, we might have to go back in and add that because I think that's a really big deal is flashing lights, strobe lights. Uh, like if you know someone who's epilect- epileptic, uh, yes, uh, this part is not for you or your loved ones. This is, and again, like I, I don't want to harp on this, but they need to, they need to warn you because we even afterwards we read the signs, and I don't think it's mentioned anywhere. And I'd, I think I could be wrong. And that's not even from like a protecting Disney from like a lawsuit type thing. It's like someone could have a real problem in that room if they were not aware that that was going to happen. Yeah. So uh, obviously some stuff goes down in the second room. And this is where you could argue that it gives you that same wow factor as Rise of the Resistance. 
Obviously, you heard our rankings, so we don't need to go into like a ton of detail there. But I do think that this room is worth not spoiling. So I'll just say there is a second part to the pre-show. There are lots of lights involved, and it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, if you can handle lights, it's worth soak it all in. Mm -hmm. But on our second time, I kind of shut my eyes. Yeah, it is a lot. So then you get to start getting on the ride. And this is where the anticipation really starts to build. You get your first view of the ride vehicle. And you're on the Novacore ship at this point as well. You are on the Novacore ship. So obviously, you know that an adventure is about to take place. And you are teaming up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, they're giving you directions. They told you what to do. You don't really have a choice at this point. Um, So... On you go. And I don't know. It's like as soon as you get on the ride, uh, they're talking to you. You're, I don't want to say you're interacting with the Guardians of the Galaxy because obviously. They're like briefing you on it. Yeah, they're briefing you. And from there, I don't know, chaos ensues. Maybe chaos isn't a good word. What would you say? Well, we should maybe talk about what the premise of the conflict is. Is that Eson has stolen the cosmic generator and he is going to use it to travel back in time in order to not allow us Terrans to exist. He says that humans are a mistake and that he is going to correct that mistake. Mm -hmm. And so we have to go with the guardians in order to get the cosmic generator back so that he can't, do that because he's going to travel back to the beginning of time and not let it happen. Correct. We kind of skipped that part. We, okay. I did skip that part. Um, so from there, I mean, this is where you do have to really pay attention. Obviously it's like sensory overload. Cause you're on the ride at this point. And there's a lot going on and we talked about how the ride vehicles move and it is pretty thrilling, but you also want to listen to that dialogue. You want to be able to hear the little side conversations between the guardians while also keeping up with just like where you are in the story, like how, how the progression is with you chasing down the celestial. And you said you don't want to share any of the jokes that we heard. Uh, I don't know. I think they're so good that I only, I don't want to share them. I don't know, but there are jokes and they're funny and they're, I mean, it's mostly Drax. It's always Drax. I feel like, but just like the little quips between them, like rocket is, Poking fun at Peter, Drax is doing Drax stuff. You got Gru. I mean, Gamora's like bossing everybody around. Yeah. So I think it's just funny to see their personalities, even though you can't see them, you can just hear them because there's, I don't know, there's a lot going on. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you what else keep to say. That. I do. Um, I don't know what else to say at this point. I mean, it's it's a really, really fun ride. I mean, once it starts and you get kind of familiar with that swinging feeling that you get from the spins, you really kind of like dig into it a little bit, mm-hmm. I think. And it is one of those that it is sort of like Space Mountain, which people explained that to us before we wrote it. And I did not, I could not comprehend what that meant, but it is, it's kind of like Space Mountain on steroids because it is an element of 
you don't necessarily know which direction you're going. You may see the track, but you don't know which way you're going to spin, which adds an element of surprise to it um, that goes along with it. But it is all screens. You know, we talked about, do we wish they would have used some animatronics? I'm always going to say yes. I don't know where one would have been appropriate, but I would... I'm always going to be pro animatronic. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I will say, like a benefit to not having any animatronics is that we have seen with Rise of the Resistance, Kylo always seems to be the issue. Um, well, he's pretty moody. He is. So, I mean, I get it. He's been through a lot. Um, been yeah. through a lot? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Did you not even get it the first no, time? No, I did. It just, I felt like it got funnier <laughs> as I thought about it. Um, <laughs> I totally lost what I was saying. Oh, with it all being screens, hopefully uh, the chances of it going down or needing to be repaired will be lessened. We're just going to throw this out there. We talked about this. In theory, it would probably be pretty easy to do something like a Halloween overlay. Now, see, now we're just getting our hopes up. If you're familiar, Mission Breakout turns into Monsters After Dark out in DCA, which is an absolutely extraordinary overlay. I mean, 15 out of 10 for that because one. Because it builds off the existing story. It has an, its own song, its own soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, it's just great. So I would love, 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 love if they could do something like that. Here, but even if not, the rewritability is just through the roof on this. It's through the roof, yeah. And it's, again, like the music that you hear, you know, it makes you want to dance the whole time. You're laughing. Your eyes are kind of watering because you're moving fast. It's just like by the time you get off of it, it's almost like when you ride Rise of the Resistance where every time you get off, people are smiling. People are talking about it. Everybody's happy. You know, unless you ride with like a kid who's traumatized, maybe because or I was going to say someone who gets motion sick. Yeah, but we didn't see any of that. <laughs> I saw some online, but I didn't see any people in person. So, I mean, it's just everyone's happy. It's a feel good ride. And, and this may sound cheesy, but you know how on Rise, especially really early on, if you wrote it pretty early, there was a real sense of pride with the cast members. Like they were proud of it because. You know, none of them were in the design room and none of them were on the construction crew, but they were part of the story that was unfolding. I got that same sense from from these cast members. I think that they've done a really good job of instilling in them of, you know, the story of Novacore and these Terrans are coming to visit us. And, you know, every cast member we passed said, have a good afternoon, Terrans. Thanks for coming, Terrans. You know, all of that's like that goes so far. I think like that, it, and that's something that, for the longest time, I think was such a shining moment in Tower of Terror was that you would always be greeted as guest, and your room is almost ready, and thanks for dropping in. Like those cast, there's a lot of pride with the bellhops. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an iconic costume that goes with it. There's, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. And um, I think I think this one could become on that same level. Like, you know, I hate to say it, but 
on Space Mountain, you don't you don't get that same level. And yeah. I mean, you definitely see it on some attractions more than others. And it might just be that some attractions lend itself more than others, which, you know, you get it to a certain extent. But I do think everyone who was there, everyone that we saw was just smiling and happy and happy that you were there and happy that they were there. And it does just make it so much of an enjoyable experience. So I hope that's how everyone's first ride gets to be. Yep. So now we just have to go back and get all the songs. Oh my gosh. I know. Did we tell everybody what song we got? I ran. I ran. Yep. Twice. And now it's been stuck in my head ever since. We wanted September. We wanted uh disco Inferno. Or even the, I'm going to get you. Yeah. Get you, get you, I kept calling it the Blondie song, and Catherine got mad at me because she didn't know who Blondie was. No, I was like, use the song title. I know the song titles. Uh, But that's a story for another day. (laughs) Uh, Last thing, just to kind of talk about, and again, this isn't spoilers, but the just general area around there, how did you feel about that? Um, I liked it was very big, very open. It seemed like the walkways were a good size. Obviously, on a day like today where it was very hot and very sunny, the one thing that they were lacking in abundance was shade. Yeah, I would agree. Need some more structure, you know, covered areas or something. Now, there is way too much room in there to not put a food option. I'm going to go ahead and say it. They need a shawarma cart or they need Terran treats or they need to come up with something new and original. Because it would totally work. I mean, how cool would it be to have a little food cart and they are offering something from Novacor or Xandar, like their specialty food maybe. And it could even be a play on, we mentioned the turkey legs. We don't know if there's any other funny things that they mention about theme parks or Disney. Like we said, we didn't get to see the whole thing. But how funny would it be if like they tried to create their own theme park food and it could be, you know, a total spoof or... I don't know. It could be anything. Or just uh, honestly, even just like some cool popcorn. Oh, no. That's so lame. No, I don't want any colored popcorn. No, I think the possibilities are endless, but there is definitely room back there for some kind of little food cart. Well, and if you have been to DCA, you know that kind of besides Pim's Test Kitchen Terran treats and the shawarma carts all run in an off, I say offsite, a, a backstage is the word I'm looking for, a backstage yes. kitchen. And they just bring them out to bring the carts. Out, bring them out. Yeah. As the famous words of TI, bring them out. And like that doesn't take a lot of manpower. You know, I that. guess they would just need a kitchen. I mean, Space 220 is pretty close by. Yeah, they're not going to get Patina Group to do it for them, though. Well, no. Oh, well, I guess that would be the problem. I don't know. It's Disney. Hopefully they can figure it out. It would probably come from Connections Eatery, if anything, but that's an open kitchen. Yeah. So, like, that's difficult. I don't know. But it would be nice. They have some Utilidors down there, so just set up shop in there. there. Yeah. Yeah. A little griddle or something. Yeah, you need, do do you really need air ventilation? No. No. Yeah, that's overrated. Um. Okay. We're now we're in eleven minutes into this. Any other thoughts? 
that you have on it? Man, I don't think so. I feel like we've talked about this pretty thoroughly. Obviously, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us and we'd be happy to answer them or discuss further. Or if you have written it and you have something to say back to us about what we discussed, we're here for it. Because uh, it's the excitement of everything. That's why we like to talk about it. We've already had someone reach out to us and say, like, are you, because we didn't, like, we put up a story saying, like, we're not sure if it's better than Hagrid's. And people were saying, you know, like, are we upset that it's not the greatest ride that we've ever been on? No. No. I don't, I'm, I'm thoroughly pleased with it. And I think it's just because there are so many different ride categories. And like Brendan mentioned earlier, there are so many different categories of things that we look for when we ride rides that I don't know, like there's so much here that it doesn't have to be the best ride I've ever been on for me to love this ride. And it gets them into the story coaster space to a level that they have not been in before. Yes. Like Slinky Dog was like dip their toes in Everest a little bit. Obviously Everest came before Slinky Dog, but mm-hmm. Those are kind of like fringe story coasters. This one has a solid beginning, middle, end. There's a reason why you're there. They set it up for you. It's everything that we wanted. And I think it's more just a testament to like Hagrid's is lightning in a bottle. I mean, everything that you could ever ask for. And it's, I mean, the setting of just Harry Potter and, and Hogsmeade and everything that they have going for them. It's it's tough. But like we said, this is just how we feel on this day. We might. We could go back and ride it on a different day. And pick up something new. And and leave and be like, this is superior. Yeah. We've only. Yeah. it's This is day one. Yeah. All right. So if you have listened all the way to the very end, send us a message that says, um, Hulk smash <laughs> and we will um, we'll send you a magnet and as as long as supplies last we have some magnets left over we do have some magnets yeah so if you listen all the way to the end send a message that says Hulk smash on Instagram preferably <laughs> it's gonna be the easiest way for me to see them and uh, as long as we have some magnets we'll send them out because that's some dedication that is dedication but thanks for listening uh, I know we've had fun talking about it because We just talk to each other all day anyway about this, and it's nice to share what we're thinking with other people. Yeah, like Catherine said, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. As you ride it, if you're coming down from Memorial Day weekend, Godspeed on getting a boarding group or a lightning lane. It's worth it to try. Oh, 100%. Don't be scared off just because it's going to be popular. it's, It's worth it, I think, for sure. Totally worth it. All right, so thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back later this week to talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We look forward to sharing that with you then, and we will chat with you real soon. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.